All righty. It's another really grim night shift football red edition. Adelaide United won, Melbourne victory won on the weekend. We did an at-the-match pod from High Marsh in the bloody absolute hurricane that was going on up there. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. We've also got a pod about the Premier League, Liga, Serie A, all that stuff. Go check that out on the weekly European pod, episode 97. That'll be up. Um, let's talk about Adelaide tonight. I've got Cooper and Tommy with me here, the night shift team all together. Um, this should be an interesting one because we all have differing views on certain players within this squad and the form we've been in. But I think we can all agree that the weekend was uh, uh, grim. It had to be a win. Had to be a win. This is, we're in desperation zone now. And although I was told to calm down a couple of times in the stands by uh, <laughs> onlookers. I believe that. And look, there's moments on the at the match pod. I was listening back to it before. I was like, shit, I don't remember saying that. I was like, why am I talking for a minute so impassionately about this? Despite all of that, yeah, we needed to win this game. And uh, yeah, look, I don't know. I don't know how chronologically you want to take this pod, but there were some reactions amongst Adelaide United fans that I just did not think well, we can resonated start, with the result. We can start with that if you want to start with just the... Because I think that's my biggest gripe at the end of this. I don't, I don't, have, any, I don't have any right to tell people how they should support a team. Nah, but, nah, don't do that. Yes, but we I do. Was, but I was getting... <laughs> <laughs> but I was getting super triggered at the end when I walked down the stairs and I just saw so many people in, and I'm not just people that listen, know that name uh, them, we, name them. we are right up behind the Red Army. I'm not just talking about the Red Army area. I'm talking about around the entire stadium. There was a lot of people that felt like a little bit of a, just people really happy and having this kind of celebration and asking for the balls from the players or asking the goalkeeper for his gloves and stuff like that. And like, but like in a real kind of, it, it felt was like a bit of a party mood. Down. It felt really jovial, and I was just a carnival. I was feeling a bit sickened because I was so dirty with this result. We beat them three 0 here when they had what, a bunch of supporters, and now they're now they're bottom of the league. They were equal bottom going into this, I think, weren't they? And they're either way, they're down there, and they didn't have any crowd. And this was a great chance to absolutely put them away and keep continue that kind of edge we've had over them in recent years and we just didn't do it and on the back of this last run of games where that's now five points from 18 after the world cup i just i'm just not happy at all i'm over it cooper come on yeah (laughs) it's funny i i watched those obviously in the bay standing at the top of the back of it after the game and i watched all those people chase around the player balls and can you take my B reel for me and fucking <laughs> the, the, the glorious party atmosphere of Highmarsh after a depressing ninety minutes of football? And I, I turned to, I turned to Josh that I stand with every week at the game, and I said, "It is getting harder and harder to applaud this group of players when they yeah. walk around the stadium at the end of the games every week." Yeah, generally, um. If we've lost, I generally leave straight, like not straight away, but a minute after or so. When we win, I generally kind of wait, even if it takes another 10 minutes, we'll wait. And we tend to stick around and wait till the players have done their lap after. Um, but this week, I just we waited back a few minutes to finish our recording and say our thoughts. And honestly, I feel like sometimes I feel like we should do a red edition pod because maybe 
after and at the match, maybe just the feelings are a bit raw, whatever. But I don't think any of my opinions on this game has changed in the last few days. No, I totally agree with you. Um, look, I, maybe I'm. I, I think I'm less harsh after the moment. I'm definitely an emotional person. I get very rash when Adelaide United don't perform properly. You fly off the handle up in that grandstand. <laughs> you really do. Someone has to take like the right wing provocateur role, and I'll look. I'll do it. I'm fine. I'm happy to do it. But you know, even I think you were saying the performance was better, and yeah, the performance was better. Yeah. But that's because Melbourne Victory are so bad, right? Uh, on reflection, I would agree. Yes, I think so. That was going to be my next talking point of this game was that overall, this 90 minutes of football from both teams was pretty shit from both sides. It was Is that right? Or are we just feeling that way because of the result? Or was the, was the football actually bad from both teams, Cooper? The only entertaining aspect of this game grew from the fact that we watched two teams with deplorable back lines fail to defend. And <laughs> I just, I've watched the highlights of this game and moments back and back again. And just the chance we coughed up to Leighton Brooks in the 97th oh, minute of the oh, game. How do you cough up an opportunity that good that late in a game? I haven't dared. I have not dared watch the back, man. Have you? Have I, you had a look? I'm, I, I'm there is there is a wonderful slowed down gif of it on Twitter that a Melbourne Victory supporter posted, questioning who the fuck the groundsman at Highmarsh was, because <laughs> this ball oh, takes the filthiest <laughs> bobble you have ever seen right before it flies off Leighton Brooks's <laughs> shin pad into Rosehead. It did. It did take that bobble. I um I didn't notice that till the replay. I was just just. When we were in the stadium, I was actually re- we were actually recording at the time, and they went on that counter attack. I think that's the one where I th- I don't know who it is that went on the run, but one day goes flying in and doesn't get the mm. man or the ball, and then Alagic <laughs> goes in. I think it was Alagic goes in yeah, and does thing. the same, doesn't get the man or the ball, and then they have the number three on the far side. Kind of made his lays it off, and then just when it flew over the bar, we were like we celebrated like it was a goal. I honestly expected it to be two one, and I was just. Oh, I can't believe it. And then looking on the replay, yeah, you see that bobble it took, the poor bloke. But is that an excuse? Do you get to use that as an excuse at that level? I think you do because I think at that level you also prepare for this ball to, when someone a teammate plays a flat pass, you you expect to be able to hit it first time and the ball remain flat against the surface. Yeah. I, I don't yeah think you, you, don't, you don't get that at every pitch, do you? I you mean, don't. look at the Brisbane pitch we played on a few weeks ago. And I also don't want to make a knock on the actual pitch itself because I think it's always a peach, but like... Carpet. That you know the game had been going for like eighty eight minutes at that point, you know. So there are divots and there are things in the ground, you know. It can happen. So um, maybe this is what Bernardo's off, doing though. off season. He's underneath the pitch and he's just ever so slightly altering the altering the surface in order to put off players. Yeah. Mm. Well, um. Sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, Mark. Mark Milligan said in his post match press conference, and you talk about us, Coach Milsey. Did we improve in this game? And inside job, Millsy. And yeah, and and Milligan said post game that our desire was back, and yeah, it just this. it felt mm. really weak to me because if you're playing for Adelaide United and you go into a Saturday night fixture at High Marsh against Melbourne Victory, and the desire to win is not just naturally there, then we're in a really bad place if that's something that we're trying to find. Um. Yeah, I, I don't. I kind of agree with him. If you're comparing performances, I think we did look like we played with much more desire. Particularly, I think that last 
20 minutes where we were on top and creating it despite that chance Melbourne got on the counter. Some of those chances we were creating were from, there was lots of guys swarming Melbourne, winning the ball back inside their own half. And we were winning the ball back as they were trying to break with numbers and then keeping it and then kind of playing around a bit mm-hmm. and then like trying to create a chance through Nesta who we'll get to. But um yeah, I think there was that desire there, but yeah, it should naturally be there. I don't, I don't know if we just you'd be reading too much into Milligan's comments there to overanalyze that, but um, it, it that may that may just be Millsy inexperienced in a post match conference, and he's just clutching for the easy yeah. answer. Yeah, and, and it, but I also agree with him though because the desire did look better compared to you know those those other games we've played recently. Recently, well, but like you're saying, Cooper, this, this... from perspective. Yeah, we're playing Melbourne Victory at home. They've got no crowd here. They're bottom of the league. Everyone knows it's a massive rivalry. You've got to be up for it. And, yeah, and but so we should after getting belted by the Mariners last week. Like you can't yeah. get any less desirable than that. And Sam, Sam and I are a bit. We're a big hater of this guy. I would, uh, hate is probably a strong word, but we have strict judgment on Ben Halloran and and more so what he's done since he came back to the club. And we've asked him to to stand up. And and I think. As dire as we were, this is probably the best game he's played for us since he came back. Yeah, um, he was excellent Ooh. in the build-up to the Goodwin goal. Uh, I, I thought he was. He created more chances in fifteen minutes at ten in a position where he genuinely sucks than Zach Clough did in seventy-five minutes in football. <laughs> probably than Zach Clough has done in six months of football. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, like, yeah, definitely. Hate is too harsh. I don't hate Halloran. He's just frustrating in the sense of you know or. Everyone who listens to this will have heard what I've said about Halloran, but he was excellent the other night. Um, particularly, like I said, that last 20 minutes where he started playing as a 10, um, that's maybe a good chance now to maybe talk about tablecloth, dishcloth, Zach cloth. Uh, Dunn Tommy, cloth. Tommy, what's the go with this cloth? Is he a done cloth? Oh, mate. It's, Finished cloth. He, yeah. He's gone all discolored and it's time to just scrunch him up and throw him away, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm I'm done. I can't. I cannot yeah. stand any more of this guy not linking the the play between defense and attack, or even in the midfield, or even contributing anything up front, or his defensive effort, or just his positioning. We're just we're yeah. so lacking and of a player when he's on the field. I feel like you and I have you more so than me have been. You've come to his defense a fair bit mm-hmm. as well recently, but it's mm-hmm. just gotten it's gotten too hard to give the benefit of the doubt now. It's just been too many games where nothing is offered in any of those positions in that kind of on whether it's on the wing or as a ten. It's just just we're getting nothing, absolutely nothing. Yeah, I think if Ethan Alligich can give you sixty to seventy minutes at attacking midfield, and then Ben Halloran can can fill that void for the last twenty yep. like he did on the weekend. And I actually brought Ben Halloran up on the topic of desire because I saw a um I saw a tweet uh during the week from a football stats account that Ben Halloran won the ball back in our defensive half seven times in the last twenty minutes of the game after he moved yep. into attacking midfield. Yeah. And for a guy to play seventy five minutes on the wing and then be able to run up and back in, in attacking midfield. It's plaudits to him, and, and it was good to see that desire back from him because I don't think he has had it probably since he came back to the club. Yeah. He got um, he got the paramount man of the match, and it's probably deserved, right? He was very good. Yeah, I thought he was he was the pick of our players, and uh, maybe maybe Berlante, maybe the pick of theirs, or maybe one of the – maybe Speranovic. Um, 
I thought Spiro was good. Yeah, we commented throughout the game that Spiro, uh, Spiranovic. Yeah, but I'm also that's... weary of our, our analysis at the time of the opposition because we, <laughs> we kind of focus on just Adelaide. I think what it's done is it's flowed on from the last few weeks where we gave Mark Nasser best on for Newcastle, their centre-back. I think prior yeah. to that, we had uh, Perth centre-back as one of the better players on, on field. So Maybe we're not the best judge of it. <laughs> but I also or... thought Brillante was really good. I, I, I think, think maybe he is good. I think you're on the money with Spiranovic being being good in this game. Um, him and and the young tall centre back Bozanowski that was were next was to good. him. I um I saw a a tweet from a victory supporter talking about them during the week, and he posted like a detailed stat sheet of Hiroshi Ibasuki's game, and it was by far the worst game that Ibasuki has played for us. And Shit. I, you could probably probably credit that more to Spiranovic and, and Bozanovsky than you can to Ibasuki playing not as well as he usually does. He won. There was a stat that, that got me was he was involved in 14 aerial duels and won two. Yeah, wow. That's wow. unusual for Hero. Um, it kind of makes... Cooper's just really thrown us under the bus there as well. If you listen to it at the match pod where <laughs> Tommy and I weren't pleased with him coming off for Blackwood because... We wanted we wanted to see Blackwood and Hero play up front together, um, but if when you bring that up, it makes perfect sense. It, maybe other people know what they're doing more than we do, Tommy. I, th- I think you're on the money though. There again, <laughs> with if if Ibasuki had stayed on at that Since time when. and Blackwood came on, it you know you've got two six foot two plus centre backs jumping at every single contested ball against one Hiroshi mm-hmm. Ibasuki. You bring Blackwood on, and all of a sudden they have to split apart and defend both. And you give him a chance yeah. to you give Ibasuki twenty minutes to to go at one of these centre-backs one-on-one. And he, he hadn't had that opportunity in the game. I think he was starved of opportunity. And I just don't understand why we don't utilise that. All we do is cross, and it, it seems to be all we do is cross. And we didn't put ourselves in a good position to win a header off a cross in the entire game. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. If you're not going to have an active number 10, you may as well put two up top if all we're going to do is bomb aimless balls into the box. I do like the threat that Hero and George bring together when they're up there together as well. Um, maybe now, we, maybe we should talk about Irin Kunda. Um, there's there Problem was very time. very mixed feelings about Nestor Irin. I know Cooper has strong feelings on Irin Kunda, <laughs> um, but he came on late. He, I guess, is uh, one of those players where you can really knock him because of the end product, but. He was getting close enough to even have <laughs> a bad end product. Was the guys that were out there before weren't creating anything at all. So he was at least kind of creating something. He just didn't finish anything off. Um, where where do we sit with him? Obviously, there was that brilliant, the glaring chance with Halloran streaming through the middle that he just has to play the pass. He just has to. If he doesn't play the pass, he has to score, and he doesn't. Where do we stand with him? Do you want to start, Tom? He. Uh, he's the proper, he's the enigma, isn't he? He's the guy who gets everyone off their seat when he comes off the bench. Yeah. And you do, you feel the excitement lift when he gets on the ball. I mean, I do. we're, we're, we're cold like ball, it. too. Yeah, we yeah, are. Absolutely. Um, cause he is so direct and he's quick and he's skillful and he knows how to beat players one-on-one. Um, but it's just, it's got to be an age thing and an inexperience that he doesn't, his final product still isn't there unless he's banging in a worldie. I mean, Unfortunately, Ray Marchand was on the back end of like a really <laughs> terrible decision by Nesta to have a shot. But that really sums up his game at the moment is that he he just kind of makes the wrong decision at the wrong time. 
Cooper? I think at, at times I think that it's less selfishness and more inexperience, which is where you go back to the how angry can you be at a 16-year-old and why are we relying on this a 16-year-old yeah. to come on the pitch and win us a game every single week at the moment? Um, I, I think you give him too much. I know he's 16, but you give wingers too much credit in a sense that, yeah, he created these chances in the last 15 minutes, but when you come on fully fresh and run at tired defenders, your life's going to be easier than the guy that's been doing it for 75 minutes prior to you. Um, like you said, the one that knocked out Marshan. Five minutes after that, he had another attempted outside of the foot, a half volley from outside the box. And then the the Halloran one was interesting because I'm not sure he even knew that Halloran was there. I don't think he did either. He never looked up. He took four or five touches after he first received the ball and then shot. But he didn't look up. He didn't even look where the goal was before he shot. It was just running a straight line, see if I can outpace this guy, head down and get a shot away. I don't yeah. think he even knew he was there. And that's an experience on his part. And I just wonder, like the free kick against Newcastle, and then I can't remember who it was against, but he scored that absolute thunder bastard of a winner against someone at High March too. Uh, and he I, had, I can't remember. Was he it had Newcastle a, again? He, I don't he, recall. We'll he just had be a guessing. couple of those moments early that it puts in it puts your name in the headlines. And and I think as a 16-year-old potentially that puts you on top of the world and you just you just want them again and again and again. And that's why he comes on and he goes, Can I can I win this game off my own boot rather than helping the team win the game? Yeah, there's that element. Another thing I'm that I'm thinking is I I have a I have a feeling that he's also given that license by the coaching staff to say, just, you know, you go on, be direct. That's what you do. Just run at him get your shot off, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And that's why he does it, maybe. I, I think there maybe is an element of selfishness there as well, but I think there's also the element that he's been told he can do it. He didn't... Uh, I, yeah. I just... The ball had to be played to Haller, and I thought it just... <laughs> I'm still... I've got I've got trauma from it. I just... I was sorry. That should have been 2-1 there, but... Oh, well, I think also, like... I don't think Aaron Kunda has a super high, like, I don't think he has, like, a going qual ceiling or, you know, like a like players like we've seen Matt Leckie do or what we've seen Craig Goodwin do oh, in going Nathan to Europe, Burns. that kind of thing. Yeah. Nathan Burns. I don't know if he's got that kind of ceiling, but I think his ceiling is much higher than it is right now. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know, what do you think, What at what point do you think of football players, like, prime is, like, 28 to 30? I guess is their peak, like yeah, twenty six combination. Maybe. Combination, I think. Yeah, I think maybe a little bit older. I'm thinking mm-hmm. like twenty eight ish because that's you know. Then you're talking about your peak kind of level of uh, like physical side of the game, but also your experience and the mental side of the game as well is incorporated mm-hmm. in that. And this kid's like twelve years away from that, like a decade away from being anything close to his peak. So I still think he's got a lot to offer. I don't want to give up on him. And I think like Cooper said, this is something I go on about a fair bit is like at the end of the day, if you're angry about Iran Kunda and what he's delivering on the pitch, I think you should be be more annoyed about the situation we're in where we're relying on a 16 year old to come on and win professional football games. Yeah. He's a literal, a literal child. We've got ourselves in a situation where, we have two 35-plus-year-old imports, one of them playing out of position, a centre-back, the other one just 
I don't know, filling holes in central defensive midfield. And your concern is with Iron Kunda's inability to, you know, play a final third ball. Yeah. Definitely reevaluate that. I think it's definitely something that when he gets older, it would be a concern. If he was 20 right now doing this, I would, I would be concerned. Yeah, after we gave him four good seasons of trying to do something and he was still yeah. playing this shit. Yeah. yeah. So but, I mean, that, I th- that stuff before the game was very bizarre, wasn't it? His, his warming up during the game where it was just spraying balls. They were, they were doing a passing duel maybe five, ten yards apart from each other and he was just spraying balls like into the grandstand or like into where the referees were warming up. Like he looked like he just did not give a shit and didn't want to be there. But you know, that's, we can't really judge. I don't know what his mentality is. And you know, 16. So I've got, I've got time for him and I'll Cooper's continue. Got a theory on his men- Cooper's got a theory on his mentality. Do you want to, do you want to share it? <laughs> I don't think his mentality is great. I mean, it's, it concerns me and I know he's a kid, but it concerns me if I was, the the whole thing a couple of weeks ago when he he wasn't in a squad for that game because when you get a scholarship contract at A League level there's there's things you have to do that other players don't because it's like a, it's like an Ernie Stripes contract mm-hmm. and he obviously thought he was better than these other scholarship contract players that were doing these things refused to do them and found himself out of the squad and and it concern people go he's he's only sixteen like you can expect those things but I see here and I think like. If I was 16 years old and I got given that opportunity, yes, I might have been a dumb kid, but I would have been like potentially on my best behavior at all times, trying not to throw it away. And it, mm. it just concerns me that that's not in his head. Like, is that across is that across the board for all the A League teams? So, like, every scholarship contract has to adhere to certain protocols in order to. I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know if it's just something Adelaide do or, okay. or whatever it is, but it's interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, I- I don't know if we can judge too much what each, indi- how each individual kind of acts <laughs> at a certain age. We're getting into really deep, like I'll macro, just say, macro sociological theory. I'll just, I'll just say personally, if I was sixteen and playing A League, I would be the biggest fuckwit. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? I really would. You would not want to know me. You would. Uh, yeah. Um. I'd be so full of my own shit. Another thing I think we always forget as well is remember that there was that tournament last year where we were missing Aaron Kunda because he had to go play in that stupid junior tournament or whatever where he was clearly the standout by miles over everyone else from around the country. So um, I don't know. Keep an eye out for that ceiling for Aaron Kunda. I think it's still going to be good, but we may just have to, we may have to wait another four, five, even six years. Mm, he's sixteen. It, he's so young. Will it be? It with may us, not though? be with us. It may not be with us. It may not be with us. Well, all going well. I'd rather it not be with us. I'd rather it be overseas. Yeah, but what if it's with West Sydney or... <laughs> well, then we'll turn on him, won't we? Because if you're not, not us... <laughs> remember what our motto is here? If you're not us, fuck you. Fuck you. Um, I cannot wait to boo the shit out of Yengi when he comes here. Um, <laughs> It'll it, be when, a good When good he scores a hat-trick for... against us. <laughs> nah, because he'll... And they beat us Ma- 4-0. Marco Rudan likes to play him out wide, so Kiddo will pocket him. Don't worry. Um, perhaps... Perhaps we can finish on talking about Craig because the one that probably the best moment of the game was it came from that Halloran brilliant run only six minutes in, and then Craig Goodwin just the composure he shows in the box against Geria of all people who I think we've we've mentioned before Geria has given him a hard time sometimes mm-hmm. um, and not let Craig influence the game a whole lot, uh, but he cuts in beautifully, puts it roof of the net, um, finishing great. Corners, not so much this week. 
Yeah, I've like, got no real. Opi- I've got no real opinion on this. I thought he was fine. So, do if you guys want to sit here and lay shit you, you on the think- best player, to- <laughs> did <laughs> I just lay shit? Atlanta did I? United. Did I just lay? Sh- Are you? How dare you even critique one aspect of is his performance? Craig How dare above you? Criticism is he? He is that he is. Uh, <laughs> he has ascended to. Bro, he scored against France. What? What more do you want? <laughs> He scored against France, and therefore we can't talk about how shit his corners against Melbourne victory were. No. You know what the problem was? Is that he didn't have one day standing off field pretending <laughs> that he's going to take them. <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, anyone got any thoughts on, uh, like, I think Craig, I, I, this isn't a criticism, Craig. This is just the type of player he is. I don't think Sounds he ever like runs it. a game. Do you think he ever runs a game? He kind of he comes in and out of games, and when he mm. when he is in the game, he wins it. But he he doesn't. I don't think he ever gives you ninety minutes of completely dictating. But he is a winger, so he's never going to. Yeah, it's hard to run a game from the wing. I think it's spot on. Um, it's why we look at like the the best imports we've had. Those those guys that have torn this league apart, like Shinji Ono, Milos Ninkovic, Karuska, Flores. They rule. Yes, I is. Unbelievably Roche. good, yeah. yeah. All unbelievably all good. Hands yep. right through the middle, involved in everything, and I think I think it's hard to to run a game from out wide. Yeah, and I think that's where we lack a ten, a ten again. Like, yeah, just even 100%. someone that can just pass him the fucking ball. Yeah, especially like, in like Goody's one on one ability isn't great. Like that's not his game. Is beating players uh, no. from a standing start or even releasing him in behind he can sometimes be a bit suspect against someone that's a little bit fleet-footed yeah his his best game is definitely having two competent midfielders around him in order to play a couple of quick passes open the angle and then give him some space to do some shit yep. and that that's when we play Louis Dorigo and one day that's not what we have I think that's something when we at the start of this season and we've probably said it multiple times probably said it last season as well is imagine how much more influence Craig would have on our games if we had a good number 10 or a competent. I'm, I'm going to even say just a competent number 10 because I don't <laughs> think Zach Clough's even a competent. Competent in the sense he can put the shirt on and it has the number 10 on the back. That's about as far as that goes, though. Like, if we had someone in there, uh, just it's so frustrating. We have a good 10 in there. Craig's so much more involved in the game. And then we are probably seeing a change in some of those some of those 50-50 games and those results that don't quite go our way. He's going to have more of an, an influence on, and he, he is the difference. He is a difference. Can I just relate this to a conversation? I don't mean to segue into another topic, but a go conversation that, that Tom and I had before the game and we saw the lineup come out about Javi Lopez playing at centre-back. And <laughs> yeah. my question was... Why, when we have Juan Day, who played copious amounts of centre-back for Perth and has done it for us before, is he not playing at centre-half instead of Lopez? Who I know the answer. So out of whack. And the answer was the conversation we had about it the other day when Carl has so much fear and lack of trust in his midfield group that he is so unwilling to take a risk and just go, you know what, fuck it. Alligic, you'll derego. Like... He will not change that guard. And it concerns me so much that... He has to have one day and he has to have Izzy. We were were a kick away from a grand final last year, whatever. But we've gone and we re-signed all these these three Spaniards and we're behind the eight ball with them in the starting 11 now. And when they drop out of the starting 11 and we have a bunch of young midfielders next season with no A-League experience, I am so concerned about how even further behind it we're going to be. 
Yeah, hundred percent. But I don't oh, think it's, it's so grim, but it's so on point. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's anyone's fault either. Like I, I mean, you would resign of, Lopez. The, yeah, all three of them on the back of last season. I would have resigned all three of them. I would have resigned Juan de Izzy Lopez. But and Izzy's looked good in patches this season. Absolutely, but the drop off has been so quick and so poor. Um, it's just like now it's. I'm not so much annoyed that they've dropped off. I'm annoyed that we don't have a backup plan for this though, for when it goes pear shaped. And Louis, I, I I would love to see Louis get the chance to play in the midfield without one day or Izzy and get him to do that role because that's the original. That's the role. Look, I know he's. Yes. We feel like, like he's him. stagnated or he's dropped off or whatever, but I think it's more the case that. He came into this team playing that role as a holding midfielder and he looked great. I thought he was awesome. And then we got one day back and we got well, we got one day and we got Izzy back. And so those two guys go straight into his position and then we play two of them. And then when any time he does play, he's kind of not expected to do that role because he's trying to work more box. It's not his game. I think he's just a straight up number six. He wears number six. I think that's all he is and nothing else. And I think... He's probably taken a hit of confidence with those two coming back as well. I'd love to see him now get a string of games where he starts there and you play play Wanda at, cent- at centre-back if you have to, if it means leaving Lockie Barr out. Play Wanda at centre-back. Mm. Let Louis play a string of games. as a num- I don't, We have nothing to lose now, I don't think. Play him as a number six. Let him do the holding midfielder role and see how it goes because he's future. One day and he's the aunt. Louis is, and I think Louis has a... Has a Probably, probably a little higher of a ceiling than what he's currently showing us. So you reckon Dorigo is being held back by Izzy and Wande, which I look, I tend to agree with, and it makes me think maybe our midfield three combination should be Dorigo, Cavallo, Alligic. The signing of the signings of Wande and Izzy are the sole thing, in my opinion, that stagnated Louis Dorigo's career at United, mm-hmm, and it's not—it's not a negative at the time because they improved no, our team. Absolutely, but Louis Dorigo is twenty-one years old. Yeah, people forget that he's been around four odd years now, five years even. He's twenty-one years old. If those two hadn't come back into the fold, he would have played over a hundred games for Adelaide United now. He's played seventy-seven mm. at twenty-one yeah, years old. Exactly. Like it's, it, it's mental. Oh, yeah, and right. I, I just think that and, and I have this process thought as well where if, if Juan Day took Lockie Barr's spot at center back, how much better is playing next to Juan Day going to be for Alex Popovich's for Popovich, yep future than playing next to Lockie Barr. Like I just wonder what what can he learn off one day in comparison to what he can learn off Lockie Barr. And that's no knock on Lockie Barr, but it just is what he is. He's an MPL defender. He's come yeah. in and done a job. Yeah, I just feel like Popovich has this incredible ceiling and if one day has done it all over the world, why not let him spend the rest of this season learning from him? And why not let Louis play next to Izzy or next to a box to box midfielder and and just grow for the rest of this season because we have to somehow put ourselves in a position where we're not going to be just utterly in a ditch next year because there has to be some glance at the future. Yeah, definitely. Like Louis, um, Louis, Louis dropping in there, like you said, playing that amount of games, like he's starting to get experience already. I wonder if like that's because he is only 21, Carl still has that like 
you know, that fear of throwing in the youngsters that he seems to have, or like, you know, he seems to have this protective mode. I know he throws Aaron Kunda in now all the time, but he's kind of been forced into that. I just, it just, it worries me the lack of backup plan from Carl with the midfield and the back four. I guess you could call playing Lopez at centre back a backup plan, but it all stems back to this, this need and desire he has to have. He has to have one day and or Izzy playing. Um, let's get Louis in there playing, and then let's get a look at someone else. I don't know. Yeah, I at least if I was going to say, at least at least if Louis is performing under you know the average that we expect at least you can be a little bit more not dismissive of it but at least more forgiving at least more understanding because watching one day out there doing what he does is just the most frustrating thing in the world we could be doing so much more with younger talent in order to expose them to you know proper extended football and developing their careers and we're just letting this ageless spaniard run around Miss tackles, miss passes, yell at his players around him and not really do anything at the moment. I would rather Lopez at the back. I would just flat out drop one day. Interesting. If you're going to play two 30-plus-year-old midfielders, it has to be title now-based. And those two in midfield yeah. together... And Which not it was last year. It became that it, last year. It did, yeah. yeah. But it's not... That's At this point of the season anymore. now, given the last month, maybe before the World Cup, I understand persisting with it if we had maintained, you know, the path we were on. But now, given what we've seen over the last month or so, I'm ready to throw it in and just, just change it. Yeah, and I think you can be more excited about failing youth than, than failing senior players because yep. you, you know that the experience is golden for them. Excellent. All right. I don't know if either of you have anything else you want to add. We've got where maybe just quickly we can have a bit of a prediction for we're home again this Friday night against uh, MacArthur. Again. And I'm pretty I'm pretty worried it's a home loss on the way. But uh thoughts, anyone? I had one thing about MacArthur and that this season they haven't uh if they've conceded the first goal this season, they have lost every game. And so you know, if Goodwin can score another tenth minute or so goal, maybe we're on to a good thing. Cool. But outside of that, we don't have a great record against MacArthur. And despite their injury crisis, it just it feels like their attacking threat is better than ours. And yeah, we're probably going to get overwhelmed, I would say. Good I up. just don't want our Hassan Torre to come to High Marsh and score a bag of goals. <laughs> this is a good I question. Do, do you boo? Do you boo Torre? I don't uh, think so. No, we let him go. Yeah. Yeah. We let him go. There's a difference if you let them go. So, um, oh, um, maybe if I think if Craig does score this week first, mate, this, this will be the week where <laughs> MacArthur's streak of the, that is broken. <laughs> this is, we will do it. We will play that form into, hey, if anyone's looking for form right now, <laughs> pay us a visit. <laughs> Come down to High Marsh. We'll, we'll give you some form. All right. I Give think some um, points. <laughs> we might wrap it there. We were going to talk about some of the other A-League. There was some good A-League this week, but we've gone on a fair bit actually in the end, ranting about Adelaide and the situation at the moment because are we halfway through the season yet or over halfway? Just yeah, about. We're at, we're at some point of the season. Yeah, we're 12 um, games in and uh, we, are, we are still sitting sixth. And I know we play finals here, but we're looking at the bigger picture and I'd rather just have a stab at playing some youngsters. I think we all would agree, agreed yeah. on that. 
over the last yeah. hour or so. So it, it is depressing how many home games we have coming. Why couldn't we have them? Well, we, we were, we were so excited at, about We were good at the start of the season and I was watching it all on TV and now I have to drag the, my sorry ass to High Marsh Stadium on a Friday night and watch Dwight York fuck us. At the start of the season, we were all so excited about, oh, look at that long run of home games in the second half. Of the it's going to be so much fun. And now we're just looking at it like, oh, shit, I have to go oh, again. I have to go again. Uh, on the bright side, um, RGK, Chevo Rolls, Rakia, Scotches, Pre-game drinks, post-game drinks. That's all good fun. So we'll get around that again. Um, Yeah, we'll see you all again Friday, I guess. Keep well. Yep, Keen. Can't wait. No no chair breaking this week, please, Sammy. You keep, you, yeah. Oh. You stand on the ground and you celebrate a goal like a normal yeah. person. Or, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Broke a chair. Oh, sorry. I feel so bad. God, I'm so fat now. I've put on the kegs and the chairs. <laughs> chairs at High Marsh have fallen apart. It was in pieces. Oh, well. All right. <laughs> Bye. See you.